0: The Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates.
1: Best stadium, is going to be rocking, and heaven help whoever walks in there to play us. Sustained, effort, and violence, you play your ass off.
0: You're watching The Pirate Preview on The Sports Objective. Join us every Tuesday night on YouTube Live as we're joined by beat writers and other media members we take a look at what lies ahead for the Pirates. Now, here are the guys.
2: Here it is a first
3: down. Pirates. Welcome into the Sports Objective. We have our Pirate preview tonight. And uh, with us right now, we have a great one from uh, Mr. Bubba Rosenbaum all the way from China Grove. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Dave. Hope you are. I am so excited. to uh, get got a big game. Uh, it's actually, I don't know how our guest feels, but it's kind of like uh, we don't really have a rival in the American, but if we did, it would be the, the team we're playing this week, I think.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Um, these these programs, I uh, guess, have met 20 times down through the years um, since 1991, and you know UCF has clearly dominated the series. As of late, uh, winning six in a row and eight of the last nine. But I think this um, could be a heck of a matchup on Saturday night at Dowdy Ficklin. And right now to discuss that, and welcome back to the show from the Sons of UCF podcast, Trace Chilco. Trace, we appreciate your time this evening.
2: I uh, enjoy talking to you guys and uh, getting this rivalry going again on Saturday.
1: Dave, you're on mute.
3: I hit it twice. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, nothing like a live stream, uh, Trace. We're so excited because our fan base doesn't understand that a 7:30 kickoff is a good thing. Some of our fan base, especially the older ones, would prefer a 3:30 or 12. But I love to have it's our second game in a week with 7:30 under the lights at Dowdy-Ficklin. I know you guys with the bounce house, we got to feel the same way. It's nothing like a home game to me at a, like a prime time atmosphere.
2: Uh, you're talking to a UCF fan base that has played a hurricane rescheduled game on a Wednesday. They've had games on Thursday. They've played on Friday. And then a Saturday thrown in there at home. So, uh, you know, four nights of the week. Uh, and those day games, you know, especially during uh, September, early October in Florida can be hot. So uh, it'll be good to play at night. But uh, uh, having been to your stadium and, and seen your team play back in the Hale Perryman game, uh, which I know is a sensitive subject for you ECU fans. Uh, <laughs> it is a rocking atmosphere. Uh, and this will be the first true road test for the Knights outside the state of Florida. They played at Florida Atlantic earlier this year and won that game and hadn't left all the rest have been at home. So now the back of the schedule, four of six on the road, and that begins at ECU on Saturday night. Uh, expect it to be a raucous crowd. That is a great atmosphere. It's college football at its finest.
1: Yeah, Trace, uh, ECU senior Sutton Young um, he, he actually works full time for for WITN, uh, one of the local television stations. Does an excellent job, but you know, he did a show for us earlier tonight. And, you know, no pun intended here. Nightmare that you referenced for for the East Carolina fans for from- <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I told him, I said, Sutton, you had to go there. But uh, since he brought it up, uh, you know, we talked about it for a couple minutes. But, but man, uh, what a game that was. Uh, you know, it was all UCF. And then East Carolina made that tremendous comeback. And then UCF did what it needed to do to get the um, memorable win to, to win a conference championship. But uh, as you take a look at this ball club f- for the night, you know, tell us about, You know, what Gus Malzahn and UCF have going on here in year two of the Malzahn era, Um, five and one, just outside of the top 25, um, tied for 28th in the AP poll. And, And one of the things that really stands out to me is the way this offense has been clicking as of late with John Rice Plumlee, the transfer quarterback from Ole Miss.
2: Yeah, Job Rice-Palmley uh, in some circles was a surprise winning of that job uh, and had started the season off a little bit rough. You mentioned the loss that was home to Louisville, a 2014 loss. Uh, a lot of Knights fans, no doubt players and coaches, wish they could play that game now again because the Knights are really clicking. And it really started to work for the offense second half of that SMU game. And since then... And all through the, the last game against Temple, John Rice Plumley has just been on. A mix of running and passing, and he's just been more comfortable in the offense. Very much dual threat. You mentioned an old Miss transfer. He's a speedster, and uh, he's really developing chemistry with his wide receivers. Knights have a couple of guys that can run the ball, and the offensive line is gelled. So offensively, the, the Knights are, are rolling into this game. And defensively, they've been stout all season long. They may give up some yards between the 20s, but uh, they crack down in the red zone. Uh, and uh, holding teams under 20 points. And if UCF can go into Greenville and come close to holding ECU under 20 points, uh, I think Knights fans it, it take that and an opportunity to win the game.
3: You know, Trace, one of the things that's been interesting to me is the athleticism, uh, not surprisingly, for this team. for I'm talking about UCF. And uh, I we've argued on this show, we think you guys are the best team in the league.
2: I guess we're going to find out, right? Tulane's uh, flirting in that top 25. And Cincinnati's coming off the, the strong season a year ago. Uh, UCF will travel to New Orleans to face Tulane. They'll have Cincinnati homecoming in a couple of weeks. That game announced as a sellout today. So these three teams are, are going to get an opportunity to, to, to face off and, and, and make their claim to be in that American Athletic Conference championship game. And remember, we're just about six, seven weeks away from, well, Houston was going to dominate the league, right? And uh, they're getting all the preseason accolades. And they've stumbled out of the gate. Uh, I guess you can't count them out, but uh, UCF's going to have opportunity. Home to Cincinnati, road to Tulane, but you can't overlook ECU. Don't want to pick up a loss there.
1: Trey, talk about the development of John Rice Plumlee. uh, Dual sport athlete, uh, dual threat at quarterback. He's second on this team in rushing with nearly 500 yards, and he's thrown for over 1,500 as well.
2: He's really developed of late, and uh, consistency was the issue. Uh, you know, his ability to read defenses. He has developed a greater chemistry with his wide receivers. Uh, and uh, the, the running attack is, is, you know, he's part of that rushing attack. He can get that first down with his legs. Uh, right now, things are clicking. He has uh, that momentum going into this game. I mean, UCF beat Temple 70-13 to 13 in its last game. And this was a Temple defense. Maybe hadn't faced the quality of opponent of UCF, but was known for uh, its defensive play and the Knights just broke things open in the second half. So uh, ECU is going to have its uh, work cut out for it on defense. If the Knights, uh, you know, look into a balance attack, that's what co- Coach Gus Malzon wants to do. He wants to run pass. And so far, the Knights have been pretty balanced here of late.
3: And that's one thing that uh, we cannot do is, as you know, last week giving up 17 points and it was 17 nothing. You can't spot UCF 17. And come back and win that game. Anything is possible, sure, but I really believe if all of a sudden it's 17, it'll be it may be 24 nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't do that against a really good UCF team. And so, um,
2: and you and you bring up a point there that if UCF can jump out to a lead, the, the confidence that will come from that on the road. But the longer ECU is in that game, and the way the crowd will turn and, and be in its favor, of course, uh, against the Knights, uh, that'll make it more difficult for UCF.
1: So taking a look at um, some of the skill talent surrounding John Rice Plumley, uh, you have guys like Richardson, O'Keefe, Bowser, etc. I mean, so much skill talent on this roster. So tell us about some of the, the seasons that those guys are having thus far.
2: A lot of those guys you just named right there, Johnny Richardson, Ryan O'Keefe, speed. And that's what concerned SMU when they came into the bounce house a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the speed, being able to 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 stay with that and the Knights showed that speed really was a difference. And uh, you talk about those skill positions, Johnny Richardson's fast guy running back. Yeah, you've got uh, a bowling ball in both R.J. Harvey and Isaiah Bowser at running back. They're going to pound at your line. And then John Rice has really developed a, a chemistry with Alabama transfer Jay Von Baker. Ryan O'Keefe, who's uh, he's he's tremendous uh, speedster as well. Uh, you know, he's, he's been good and Kobe Hudson last week, uh, he stepped up. So, uh, a lot of weapons, uh, Knights will find the tight end when they need to. And as I mentioned, offensive line, uh, starting to come together, it struggled early on. Uh, but, uh, but the Knights have, have found their groove here, uh, to the five and one mark so far this season.
3: And Trace, you were talking about Johnny Richardson. I remember, uh, former coach Scotty Montgomery was, uh, heavily recruiting him and, uh, we, uh, I was hoping we had a chance at him. We knew that he had a lot of great talent, and he goes to UCF uh, and done a great job for, for the Knights.
2: Yeah, that's a that's a good one that the Knights uh, stole from you guys. <laughs> I don't
3: know if we really had a chance, but uh, certainly uh, we, uh, I give Scotty Moe credit. He did know talent there.
1: Now, Trace, um, taking a closer look at uh, Ryan O'Keefe, uh, you know, he's a guy that the Knights like to get the ball to him in a variety of ways. So if you would touch on that, you know, I'm not only, I mean, whether it's uh, catching the football, you know, uh, maybe jet sweeps or what have you.
2: Yeah, and also involved in the return game. Uh, Coach Malzahn and staff have said, how can we get John, uh, get Ryan O'Keefe into into the game as much as possible? He's been dinged up, uh, you know. A little bit of injury over the course of the season, uh, but appears to be back in good health. And and you mentioned the jet sweeps, the yards after catch. He's a dynamic wide receiver, uh, can also play a threat in the uh, return game. So uh, who do you defend? How do you defend all these guys? Uh, That's going to be interesting to see how ECU's defense uh, can line up with the, the speed that UCF has.
1: And as far as just for Pirate fans, Isaiah Bowser um, transferred from Northwestern. He's coming off an injury, and he's uh, reached pay dirt nine times this season.
2: Yeah, they've used him a lot in that Wildcat package. So if you see him line up uh, towards the goal line, uh, you might expect that. Uh, His career in college has been marked by some injuries. He's just a bruiser, a good blocker, uh, and uh, he throws himself into every play. Came back this year uh, in the offseason season, uh, tried to firm up you know, his fitness and, and worked on yoga and, and such to, to remain more limber. And so far, so good for, for Knights fans. But it's good to see also uh, the return of running back R.J. Harvey, a compliment to Isaiah Bowser, and Johnny Richardson. Uh, he had come off a knee injury, serious knee injury last year, missed the whole season. And he was really going into that campaign, likely uh, you're starting running back. So uh, multiple threats for the Knights uh, in the running game.
1: I mentioned Ryan O'Keefe um, for Pirate fans, 28 receptions, 364 yards, four touchdowns, also those nine carries for nearly 100 yards. But then also at wide receiver, you talk about the presence of Alabama transfer, um, Javon Baker, um, he's had a heck of a year to date.
2: He, especially in the early going, developed a tremendous chemistry with John Rice Plumley. so much so John Rice was really only looking for him a lot of times, but he has come up with some spectacular catches and uh, been a tremendous addition to the Knights. Another fast guy, uh, great hands, and uh, definitely definitely a threat. So again, back to this, (laughs) you've got Ryan O'Keefe there, you've got Javon Baker there, and you know the Knights are going to pound the ball. This is what leads to 70 points against Temple and a decisive win the week before against uh, SMU.
1: And just a couple moments ago, you referenced uh, the offensive line, and that's something that coach Mike Houston for East Carolina talked about in his weekly press conference, on just the presence of those two transfer offensive tackles. So tell our viewers about them.
2: Yeah, the Knights have started to gel on the offensive line, uh, given John Rice Plumley more time, and uh, uh, th- they've come together as a unit. They struggled early, though, you know, and uh, they've got a couple of returning guys that uh, have been a force for them, Sam Jackson, Matt Lee at center, uh, and uh, it- 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 this is a unit, though, that is still coming together, um, and it's going to be interesting to see how much better they can get over the course of the season. They've cut down on penalties, penalties that cost the Knights uh, a couple of scores early on in the season. Uh, and then just let me mention that uh, mistakes that uh, between turnovers and penalties, it kept teams and games are really contributed to the loss against Louisville. And, and UCF has been able to uh, cut down on those sorts of mistakes. And you know this when you when you eliminate those mistakes or reduce those mistakes, you're in a much better position in games. So. Uh, for the Knights, that has been important important
1: late. Switching over to the defensive side, you talked about how impressive they've been uh, not allowing more than 20 points in a game, holding SMU to 19. Uh, so tell us about some of the key personnel and some of the guys that have really been making a lot of plays on that side.
2: Well, returning linebacker Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste, uh, pay attention to him. This was an area... Uh, where Knight Nation was concerned about the linebacker core, and they have really stepped up. Uh, Jason Johnson, notably a transfer amongst uh, that group that has stepped up. Again, the Knights have not buckled in the red zone. They have kept teams out. Uh, Georgia Tech, when they came to the bounce house, they uh, 0 for 5 in the red zone. Knights rolled all over them, rushed and ran all over Georgia Tech, and kept them out of the end zone. And then again, you know, we talk about this still uh, as mates in the American, that power five designation. It's still a Georgia Tech team that, you know, right after UCF fires its coach and beats Pittsburgh on the road. So, you know, this is not uh, a team uh, that, uh, you know, they've they've had their struggles, but they still have talent. And you could see that on display against Pittsburgh. So Knights have been strong uh, against the the pass. And. You know, things have been good uh, along the line. It's really, though, the linebacker play that has been an early season surprise for the Knights because that was an area of concern.
1: Talk about uh, how UCF's been in the turnover battle. East Carolina, um, the Pirates uh, have taken care of the football pretty well thus far through seven games, having turned it over just seven times. Um, They've forced nine turnovers, so ECU is plus two. Uh, You know, uh, where does UCF stand in, in that important stat?
2: You know, I, I think in talking with defensive coordinator Travis Williams at his media availability on Sunday, it's an area that uh, the Knights would like to to do more in, in turnovers. But they, they keep saying, you know, they're not uh, tracking sacks. They're tracking, does the quarterback get rid of the ball uh, fast? And is uh, it, it an incompletion? So I think turnovers are something that Knight Nation would like to see UCF do more of. But again, how do you argue with a team that has kept teams under 20 points, a, a defense that has kept the Knights in games, even when the offense has struggled. And that goes back even to last season under Travis Williams. It's been a big change for the Knights. Previous regime, Randy Shannon is defensive coordinator to now Travis Williams. Knights have been much tighter defensively. They keep talking about uh, keeping the top on coverage, not giving up uh, you know, deep plays. And so far, so good on that. But turnovers are something that they certainly uh, would like to see more of.
1: Taking a look at the special teams, um, depending on which phase of the special teams for East Carolina um, you're you're talking about, it's been a struggle, uh, you know, specifically the PAT field goal team. The Pirates, uh, you know, have failed to convert on six PATs, which is just a mind-boggling number. And then also um, East Carolina, you know, has had its struggles at times uh, in the punt game, uh, but not nearly as much as with that PAT field goal unit. And the coverage units have been pretty sound, and you know mediocre in the return game, especially um, you know on the the kick return side. So, when you, you talk about guys like O'Keefe and Richardson. You know, tell us about the Knights' special teams from a from a kicking perspective, and then also in the return aspect.
2: What's interesting about the Knights going into this season is that they uh, went in with a starting kicker of Daniel Obarski, a senior who has struggled no kicks over 40 yards and a senior punter on a lot of watch lists and Andrew Osteen. And there was a block punt early on in the season. Daniel Obarsky missed a 32 yard field goal uh, that might've put the Knights up 17, seven on Louisville. And then coach Malzahn and staff, they, they went in a completely different direction. They went with a true freshman Colton Boomer. Uh, you you got to like that name uh, on a kicker Boomer. And he's, he was 10 extra points last week and the the 70 points that uh, UCF put on Temple, and he's had some 40-plus-yard field goals. So what was a negative for UCF, what maybe not only coaches, but certainly Night Nation, was lack of confidence in the kicking game, uh, suddenly has proven to be an asset. Also the change at punter, but as Coach Malzon said a couple of weeks ago, wouldn't be the last we see of Andrew Osteen. He has come in situationally at punter. Uh, Mitch McCarthy, uh, the Aussie, is more of a rugby style kicker, so you'll you'll see that uh, traditional rugby style play, uh, punt from him, and uh, it's been a big change, a great deal of confidence. You know, I think it's the change in college football that we don't see as many threats for kickoff returns and punt returns as we we used to. So, it's been some years since the the Knights have. Have had those kind of big breaks, and uh, you'll see uh, any number of people. And I one to keep an eye on is a, a true freshman in Xavier Townsend. He he's he's got tremendous speed, and they've used him uh, in the punt return game. So um, Knights are still waiting to break one. Uh, maybe it'll come this week in Greenville.
1: Now, as you take a look at this UCF team, uh, having you know seeing, I'm sure every play of every game. Um, as you go into the second half of the season, you know, what's a thing or two where you really feel like, you know, okay, we need to tighten this up if we're going to win a conference championship and maybe, you know, even go to a New Year's Six Bowl?
2: Well, a couple of things. Uh, UCF, the, the four games that they lost last season were on the road, all four of those games at home this year. That revenge tour got off to a bad start, with the loss to Louisville, Uh, and the Knights have avenged the loss at SMU. Uh, They will also, uh, you know, have Cincinnati and Navy, which were two losses last year. We talked about it before the show started that uh, the front half of the schedule loaded with home games, Uh, you know, only one road game at FAU. So now four of the last six are on the road in a tough environment in Greenville. They also go to to Memphis uh, and they, they go to Tulane. Uh, so and then it's out Florida over in Tampa, but we we consider that a de facto home game over in Tampa, just as we thought of uh, FAU as being that. So how do they do on the road uh, in, a, in a true road situation? And then the continued development of quarterback John Rice Plumley is, is something to watch for. Of course, you can't you know, you can't account for what injuries may occur. But the Knights have shown depth not only at running back and wide receiver. But it is as the offense goes, because the defense has been tight and stout. But if we see a return to some shaky form from John Rice Plumlee, uh missing wide receivers and not reading defense as well, uh, then that will keep other teams in the game. So it's really, right, it's football, right? If, if you don't create those self-inflicted wounds, uh, the Knights will be in good shape down the road. That's not to suggest that there's not a stumble somewhere on the road. Uh, I think most Knights fans thought 10 and 2 was reasonable, and and might have circled a Louisville or Cincinnati at home as a loss, and and then one of those three, Tulane, Memphis, or ECU, uh, as being a road loss. So I think for the tone of the second half for the Knights is the consistency of the offense and how it plays in a hostile environment. Probably the most hostile uh, that they'll face, because you know Tulane, uh, small on-campus stadium. They don't draw big crowds and Memphis is a big cavernous bowl. So of the three there, uh, the, the best road environment uh, will be at ECU.
3: And I think having uh, the the Knights, we thought the Knights would be cracking into the top 25. I know you guys are right outside, right mm-hmm. there on the bubble of a top 25 team. Having that kind of team like UCF, like we talked about, uh, we, I think there's natural rivalries, you know, and, and uh, there's sometimes a conference tries to force one, but... I really believe UCF is a, a rival um, cause we outside of you guys and the American really, we have uh NC state would probably be the biggest one um, natural rivalries, you know, that we have, but I think over the years, like you talked about the, the Hail Mary game uh, there's certain games like that, that we felt like we should have won and, and blew it at the very end. There's, you know, things like that. And then you guys have had uh, a remarkable you know run over the last handful of years and, I think that Auburn's probably right now going, oh, my gosh, we gave away a great coach. Look at UCF. It's good for you guys uh, there in Orlando.
2: You know, it's interesting when you talk about rivals uh, with UCF moving on to the Big 12 and the way the schedules are booked out, it looks like what has developed of late is that war on I-4 rivalry with South Florida, that that may be coming to an end, right? But, you know, as you talk to different generations of fans, a lot of them will say ECU. Uh, those tough contests with ECU, former UCF quarterback Kyle Israel will will say publicly he hates ECU for the for the matchups that they face, and the series is all tied, so it's a tipping point here. What I think is going to be interesting to see is in future scheduling, based on the relationships that programs like UCF and ECU have had uh, across conferences, might that be opportunity to schedule some non-conference games uh, down the line? It'd be interesting to see if if those rivalries are renewed, but uh, certainly uh, with UCF being a young program, you've got to put ECU in the mix there as as one of the best rivals. Maybe it hasn't been as much of late, uh, and South Florida been a little bit more of late, but I think Fans have been around the program for a while. Uh, Remember some painful matchups with the Pirates.
1: Trace, um, obviously, this weekend uh, you're flying into Raleigh on on Friday uh, around lunchtime. So, is this your first trip to Greenville?
2: No, no. As I mentioned earlier, and I'll mention it again.
1: So, I was there for.
2: For, for Hale Perryman. We can talk about that game again. <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: I was there. I was there as a fan. It, it was a Bubba. chilly night and uh, uh, I was on the opposite, you know, where they put the visitors. And uh, it wasn't until we saw the players jumping up and down that we knew for sure that Rashad Perryman, now with the Tampa Bay Bucks, uh came down with that catch. Uh, so that was my first and only looking forward to this one. Didn't want to miss this one. Don't know when I'll get back to Greenville. Uh, so didn't want to miss this one.
1: Tracy. So yeah, that yeah that shows you that I, I was trying to block that out when he start as soon as you said the uh, hail mary man I was oh gosh I didn't even hear you yeah and, I, I like they, Dave referred they, they,
2: to it as a hail mary but see we've got a different uh, terminology for it yeah, <laughs> yeah. well actually what's funny
3: about that that game is the the redshirt freshman when when those guys graduated when they were red first redshirt freshmen. They won on the very first game of their career at East Carolina on a hail mary, mm. and they lose their last game at East Carolina on a hail mary. So at, at dowdy Ficklin. So
2: yeah, that's that's um, a bookends of a of a collegiate career.
3: Yeah, that's uh, very unusual. But Craig <laughs> says the longest quietest walk to the car ever. I agree. Craig, at the time, I was parking in um, in the Belk lot. and that's across the street, Cross Charles. For Those of you who know where that is, uh, cl- like pretty much closest to Greenville Boulevard, and man, that was the longest walk ever. I agree with you 1000%. Um, that was a long, long it seemed like there's games like that that you want to get to the car quick, and it seems like the you feel like you're you've parked further than you really did.
2: Remember well, the block thing- management down the stretch in that game was that just mind boggling, yeah. What, yeah what that's
1: what that's where I was going with, with this traces that that was the most sickening part of that to me. Not only do we lose the game, uh, it would have been tough to, uh, it'd been tough, you know, just seeing the loss, no matter what the circumstances, but knowing that we had rallied from 17 points down on senior night, and then yeah. we had gotten a, a huge stop and had excellent field position, you know, and like you're about to say, Trace two too afraid or whatever the case may be to uh, hang the ball off and try to move forward. We kept losing yards. I I looked at my dad and some other people that were sitting around us. I said, I don't like this. I said, we're, we're uh, giving UCF good field position when they get the ball back and all they're going to have to do is throw an out or two, and then they're going to have a Hail Mary to the end zone and we don't defend the deep ball well. And so I think, I think that made it even uh, tougher to accept just because I saw it coming (laughs) Well, actually, yeah, that was not
2: the posture of a team trying to win a game and close it out.
3: (laughs) Right. When you play not to lose, you lose. And by the way, if you take that ball, if you're if you're Shane Carden and you drop back to pass and where he was the vantage point, he was if he threw that ball and threw it out of bounds like over on purpose, it drops it down. to. I think Bubba Bubba's the numbers guy. I believe it was six between six to eight seconds. And so um, that would have, the problem is that what happened is he, I think he was told to move the, like he kept moving backwards. And when he did basically like Bubba was saying that gave more yardage and it gave more time for you guys. But literally on that last play, if he had for the pirates, if he had thrown that ball to the left side, that would have chewed up a lot of clock. And I think we'd be talking about a pirate victory and they're not the hell Perryman that you've mentioned here a few times. Yeah, yeah, it's probably
2: rude of me to be the guest and drop in a hill pyramid, not once, but twice. That's probably (laughs) not good form on my
3: part. I mean, we were not playing the game. And in fact, Lincoln Riley, now with USC, said that was on him. His clock management was bad. And um, I think that, I don't know that, I think that they thought that there was, maybe they thought there was less time um, than it was. I don't know, but it seemed like to me that, if you throw that ball, you're gonna chew up a handful of seconds, and that's all you really needed to make it more difficult for UCF anyway. Um uh, that was sad for those guys who had worked, you know, really hard and really brought the program, you know, back and or even higher than maybe we had been, but in a while. But anyway, uh this what's week- the
2: conversation there about this game? What uh what's the the fan base's uh thoughts going into it?
3: I think uh I think the two lane game, there was a lot of uh people in the pirate, I call it the pirate panic room, you know, with uh there's some fans on the fringe. It's not all the fans, so let me let me be very careful. Um I think the problems we've had is special teams. Uh, we've switched kickers to Conrad now. Um uh, we've had trouble holding. We've had uh six extra points blocked.
2: That's we unbelievable.
3: Missed, yeah.
2: <laughs> and I mean, six it's, games.
3: Really, no, I mean, uh, missed six extra points, not six yeah. blocked, but missed six. Yeah,
1: it's, it's been the entire operation, Trace. Um we've yeah. had poorly kicked ones that were just flat out missed. We've we had it on uh, Saturday. We had new kicker injured, um, Conrad. You know, and so that's something of note for night fans. And uh, he did convert all four that he had a chance to get off, but on one uh, punter, Luke Larson, simply did not catch the snap. So uh, it's been a little bit of everything. The, the protection has been an issue. Uh, it's been, it's been an adventure. Plans are either you know crossing their fingers, praying, or, or flat out just not watching and turning. It was funny. I heard someone say on Saturday that after we scored, you know, and this was actually in overtime, they they'd forgotten the overtime rule changes. So it was in the second overtime where you have to go for two. They had turned the TV off because they couldn't bear to watch the extra point and then they turned it back on. You know, we we had failed to, con- to convert the two-point conversion and they thought we'd miss another PAT.
3: <laughs> yeah, it, it's been a that's been the the biggest puzzle, the enigma of 2022. If you want to um, write about it, talk about it, is the, for, for ECU is the special teams usually our special teams at least decent. It's not like anything like this, so that's been the. I thought the biggest surprise would be that our wide receiver room would be you know kind of lacking, and that would be the story of people we talking about. It, not, never in my wildest dreams did I ever think I'd be talking about special teams like this. And if you look at it, we we had a chance to win the state game when oh, Daffer misses a, a a key field goal. There, we had a chance to be Navy and regulation, we don't do it. Uh, we've missed the extra points, so I think the uh, for me, when it comes down to it, there's a lot of games like UCF, ECU, Memphis. Um, like last week, they're tight games. There's so much. I love this league. I think that our league is very underrated, and I'm sincere when I say that. And I'll tell that to any national talking head. Look at look at our league and look at the. You know, we've always had the UCFs, the Cincinnatis. Uh, you know, like the top tier teams and maybe throw in a Houston every now and then. But now I think you're starting to see the um, two lanes of the world. You're seeing the East Carolinas starting to come back. You're seeing more of the teams that maybe in the middle of the pack are starting to get better. Or some of us that were in the lower part uh, to, you know, to uh, climb up the ladder, so to speak. And I think that uh, if you have a situation like special teams, it could be the difference of winning. One point can be the difference between winning and losing. I mean, it's that. I think it's that razor thin.
2: What do you guys think about the the new look, American, and and we've been talking about rivalry with UCF. Uh, Who do you see developing as your your main conference rival now?
3: Well, I'll tell you that uh, our athletic director and the commissioner wanted to be Charlotte. That's not going to happen. That's why, on purpose, on purpose, I said natural rivals Mm. like UCF. I said that on purpose because I'm trying to force. Two teams to be a rival doesn't make it a rivalry. Right. Um, I have nothing against Charlotte other than I will say that um, the only reason why they're in the league they're in is because of the market size. It's not because of their program. Um, when you have a situation like us, when we're towards the top of attendance, 40-some thousand, uh, usually in that ballpark, especially when we're winning, and you have a team that I don't even know what the – what is the capacity bubble of Charlotte? It's like 15,000, 20,000? Yeah, 15,000. Yeah, I mean, you know, and
1: um, – they play
2: in the Carolina Panthers
3: stadium? No, they,
1: they have an oh. on-campus stadium. It, it, it is called Jerry Richardson Stadium. Oh, okay. And, um, and, yeah, to Dave's point, you know, I think there the first couple seasons, you know, when it was a novelty um, to have a football program, they, they really probably drew just as well when they were playing FCS as they do now. I don't have the numbers to back that up, but I know last year that they had their first ever ACC team come to their own campus stadium. And that that was Duke. And, and like Dave said, it seats 15,000. They had, I want to say 13,800 or 900 for that game. So they had that many empty seats uh, for an ACC team and no matter who it is. And uh, it's an in-state one at that. So, and, so that, that's something else.
3: Yeah, they're, baseball they're their
1: best crowds have been when they've hosted App State, and they've had they've had to bring in extra seating because of all the App State fans.
3: Yeah, their their baseball and basketball, I'll, I'll tip my hat to they're they're pretty good, you know, over the years. But as far as their football team, their football program, um, that's going to be uh, interesting. I think the the uh, most pirate fans, a lot of them would want to be in the Sun Belt. Um, I would say, but there's right. a lot of, um, we do have a lot of rivals there, uh, like Marshall, for example. Um, I think that when you look at ODU, ODU actually has been a team that's closest to us as far as FBS. I think it's the. Um, yeah, Robert says Tulane and Memphis will be our biggest rivals, probably so moving forward. And you have to wonder with Tulane, Memphis uh, being two bigger markets. Um, you know, well, another conference do that. Our very own Matt Simmons, it says a new look American is a disaster. I think, uh, I think they're going for, there's, there's people going for market size markets or they're going for, you know, really good football programs. And I think they went hoping that the, I think the, uh, the Texas San Antonio, um, with the Roadrunners, I think that program is going to be, that one's an up and coming program. And I, I really like them. A lot i think uh they were going you know obviously uab had a great story i don't know that's going to like if that'll continue when you don't have bill clark um fau is a great market but again um that's the only thing they went for markets and i think there's a lot of when you look at uh, the sun belt there's a lot of great uh, teams in there that are natural rivals like an appalachian state is an in-state rival that we have a history going back to at least the 70s, maybe beyond that. Um, You could start naming all the teams, but the paycheck is over $7 million per school in the American, and that's going to last for the next handful of years. When the new contract comes up, it'll be interesting to see what the American looks like and would we be able to still get the same amount of money.
2: You You talk about markets, but it's become so much more about brands. And right. at least from that perspective, I think East Carolina has established itself as a brand and a tough place to play in football. Um, and I don't mean this to, to say that moving Houston, Cincinnati and UCF to the Big 12, but it does open things up. Right. It becomes anybody's league at that point. And uh, with ECU's uh, pedigree in the league and why not ECU, right? Why not ECU seizing the American in football?
3: I agree. And you look at the I think the one thing for the Pirates they are going to have to improve on is the basketball program. The baseball program is very good. Uh, top very, good. Yeah. Um, but very good. Yeah, very good. But the basketball team is what's lacking. We'll see if uh, if you ever want to have a chance to to go to a Big 12 or another conference, you've got to improve basketball. But that's a whole nother show, as they say. But that's the one thing right now that's really hurting ECU is basketball. And I'm a basketball fan. So I'm not one of these anti-basketball people, but that's really hurting the program right now.
1: One other thing I want to bring up very quickly, Dave, um, before we move on from this topic, um, Craig Doucette um, chimes in once again from the state of Virginia tonight saying uh, Pirates want to play top-notch opponents. They don't want rivalries with watered-down Conference USA teams. That's just the truth. We need more regional teams. And so I, I think that's the best way to put it. Trace is that, you know, the same way UCF would feel, you know, if it, if it was uh, FIU or FAU, someone like that, uh, I, th- I think that's probably the best way to describe it.
2: You mean you're not, uh, you know, chomping at the bit to face Rice? Come on now. Yeah. You're going to be, be in a league with a lot of owls soon. Uh, yeah. Temple, FAU, Rice. Don't forget, before Conference USA, UCF spent two seasons – in the Mac. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, Eastern Michigan and, and, and the like. So uh, I think we understand how you how you feel about that. But as you mentioned, uh, rivalries develop organically and you can't manufacture them. And, and maybe it happens with Charlotte just because you hate one another and there's some good games in the mix. And then something happens. At least it's nice geographically that you do have some opponents that you, you can see.
3: Yeah, and I think what you have to do is you have to schedule uh, what we're talking about, the regional rivals that are maybe in the ACC, they're in the Sun Belt. some maybe then the SEC like South Carolina, um, some other schools like Vanderbilt. There's other schools that we can play that um, that would would be where – I think we have a better program, obviously, than the Vanderbilt. Um, they're up and coming, it looks like, maybe. or They're definitely not an embarrassment like they used to be. But um, we, what we want is we don't want Murders Row for a schedule. But at the same time, I think moving forward, especially the one thing the Pirate Nation is, I'm, I'm maybe I'm in the minority on, but I really believe we're going to have to schedule to uh, have a resume to hopefully be in the, the mix when it comes to, I'm just worried about the, when you're talking about the new look of the American, um, what if they say the American is not the sixth top conference? Uh, you got to have something in there, um, hopefully that we could, you know, to do so that we could uh, put ourselves, uh, make ourselves a our resume better.
2: And as you well know, it's not just scheduling uh, the likes of NC State or, or South Carolina, you gotta win those games too. And, right. and that helps that helps your brand. Uh, but I do think ECU has carved out a brand for itself. And I think there's a an opportunity to to really do well in that new look American and, uh, and that'd be good for the, the overall brand. I also agree with you on basketball. Uh, despite uh, UCF's uh, sometimes limitations on the basketball court, uh, that Big 12 still took uh, UCF. That has a lot more to do with the up and coming of the football program uh, than necessarily basketball. And and, uh, this will be an important year for UCF to do well in the American because it's going to be tough sledding in the Big 12 uh, for for men's and women's basketball.
3: Well, that was one of the things too, uh, Trace, uh, for me, Now that you guys are in there, uh, the fact that you have West Virginia in there, you have Cincinnati in there, um, that's more obviously uh, near us, and that we would have natural rivals. It just seems like to me, and I'm not John Gilbert, the director of athletics, and I'm not uh, picking up the phone and calling the commissioner of the Big 12, but it seems like to me that if you need more East Coast teams in the Big 12, um, because there's a lot of teams in you know in that Texas, Oklahoma region, and all that, but it just seems like to me that you would add more teams east. And, um, to come to mind, I definitely think you would add if, if it were me, I would add Memphis and East Carolina because geographically that makes sense, being the weird conference mates. And, you know, as far as and even Tulane, I would add a Tulane in there too. But, um, uh, but market was speaking of markets, New Orleans, but anyway, hopefully it'll hopefully we'll work out. And uh, like Craig says, truly we wish nothing but the best for you guys. And we wish we were going with you because I think that, like I said, there's certain teams that you want to play every year. Another team that comes to mind is a Southern miss that we had a lot of uh, rivalry. That's a huge rivalry that we haven't had in a number of years because we left and went to the American and I don't understand why we're not scheduling them moving forward. Like I said, you guys, there's a, Teams like Pitt and Syracuse from back in the day that we used to play um, don't understand why we're not, they're not on the schedule, but I didn't mean to make it a scheduling show with you.
2: <laughs> it's easy to go down that rabbit hole and talk scheduling. Here's what we know, right? The series is all tied. There's going to be a game Saturday night. Somebody's going to leave with that W and that series lead and uh, uncertainty about if or when uh, the two might play again. So I expect that to be uh, a good game. Uh, a tough game for, for UCF. I, I don't think ECU is an easy out at any time in Greenville. So um, I expect it to be a, a tough game. And uh, we've been talking a lot about Holt Nailers, of course. Uh, we feel like we've seen him for for a decade. Now. <laughs>
3: so, 12 years.
2: so you know you have a veteran quarterback, uh, and uh, that's going to be a challenge for the for the Knights defense.
3: Yeah, and hopefully the uh, when it comes to the – uh, the running back room hopefully they can we've got a lot of talent there in depth but uh, we can't afford to lose another back or two there that would uh, not be good for the remaining games of the season for here in 2022, 2022. so
2: I've been talking about the speed of UCF but Keith Mitchell's uh, nothing to, to to laugh at uh, he's, he's he's pretty good
3: <laughs> i tell you he uh, not to make comparisons but he's the fastest back we've had I think since Chris Johnson I don't know if Bubba would agree with me on that but I think that's the Closest guy, not the same kind of back, but I think the the fastest I've seen on my with naked eyes. I don't have the football background that Bubba does, but you know, just watching East Carolina football since 1986, it, that, I would say he's the best uh, since Johnson.
1: Yeah, the, the only one, the one I can think of that would be you know, in that ballpark is uh, Breon Allen. Breon Allen that that was on that uh, 2014 team. You know, he, he had the ability to – if you, if you miss a tackle or two, you know, he, he could, you know, eliminate angles and stuff like what I was going to mention, um, UCF defense coordinator uh, Travis Williams, a lot of times is known as T-Will. You know, I was watching his press conference earlier today, and that's one of the things, you know, he was saying that just keep Mitchell's speed is elite and the way he can just eliminate angles and, and just – he gives defense coordinators nightmares.
2: Yeah, I think uh, I think they're definitely concerned about him. Uh, they're also pretty pragmatic that he's going to get his yards uh, and, and he's going to do some things. Uh, but as the Knights have shown, they've been pretty uh, stout uh, defensively, especially in the red zone. So we'll let him run around a while uh, if need be, but uh, try and keep him out of the end zone. But he had three touchdowns last week, so uh, you definitely want to keep him out of the end zone this week if you're UCF fan.
3: Yeah, there's no question about it, and uh, certainly you have to argue the uh, most valuable player of that game uh, for sure. When it comes to beating a really good, in my opinion, a really good Memphis team, and uh, they lost to uh, Mississippi State, and I think it was a one point loss to Houston. So uh, four and two coming into Dowdy-Ficklin, but like you said, a tough place to play. But you know, and another thing is uh, when you have a great opponent like UCF come in, it's nighttime. Those, a lot of uh, those pirate fans, you, hopefully they'll pace themselves and not <laughs> just, um, You know, there was a famous uh, game with Syracuse and Bubba. We've re- referenced that uh, there was a frat They got two frats that got in a fight in 1993. I'll never forget that. And there was the longest time, the only reason I bring that up, they went in a number of years that we didn't even have a night game because of it, unfortunately.
2: Oh, wow. I didn't know that.
3: Yeah. But that was in the early 90s in 1993. I was a, a student. That's how old. <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyway, Trace, thank you so much. I'm looking at the time. You've been on with us a long time. I appreciate it so much. How can people follow your work? And uh, obviously, love to have you back on. And good luck to the nights the rest of the way. And we'll see how things work out Saturday night.
2: Well, the Sons of UCF, uh, my uh, friends Adam and Mike, uh, they do a podcast that drops uh, early in the week. Uh, they're recording on uh, Tuesday night to uh, drop Wednesday. And the three of us come together every Thursday night, 8 to 9 Eastern. We stream live uh, on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. A show similar to this. Uh, we'll have uh, former UCF quarterback Nick Patty breaking down the night's win over Temple. And if all works out, well, Bubba's going to join us to preview uh, ECU. So that's an hour on Thursdays. You can follow me on Twitter at SignPez and at Sons of UCF and wherever you get any of your downloadable content. Uh, and we're on YouTube, of course, and uh, com. So thank you for the invitation. I enjoyed the conversation with you. I'm looking forward to another return uh, visit to Greenville. And as one of your folks mentioned, with a long walk, to the car. I hope not to be making a long walk to my rental car on Saturday night, but looking forward to the atmosphere and the hospitality and what should be good college football on a Saturday night.
3: Yeah. Enjoy. uh, Enjoy town bank tower. I think you'll like it a lot. Thank you guys. All right. Have a good one, my friend. All right. Good night. Uh, Bye-bye. Appreciate trace uh, very much. Bubba great guest. And uh, certainly I, I think the atmosphere, have you heard by the way, Bubba, um, I need to call our good friend Coleman Spain, a friend of the program. He's actually the, um, the director of tickets, uh, for the, uh, for ECU. So we'll have to see how ticket sales are going for that. Call 1-800-DIAL-ECU, or you can, um, that's the old fashioned way. Let your fingers do the walking, or you can go to ecpirates.com. And, uh, he was a ple Yeah, right. Trace, you were a present, a pleasant guest and informational, and we appreciate him very, very much. And, uh, we're going to miss UCF. We're going to miss Houston, Cincinnati, but uh, certainly the relationships we built with a lot of our friends around American like Trace, we appreciate him very much. And uh, hopefully we can keep this series going. It's very sad to see uh, losing the Cincinnati's, the Houston's and the UCF. So we've been with and all the way back to the uh, going back to the conference USA days. So going to miss that very, very much. And uh, obviously we're going to bring in now our dear friend from the Logan era, Mr. Matt Semenza, I think, are you, uh, Matt, or have you re- recovered from Greenville, my friend? What's up,
0: guys? Yeah, I've, I've recovered. I had a great time. I'll tell you, I had a great time. Uh, really enjoy, I, I really enjoy getting down there. It's just so few and far between for me, coming from such a distance. Um, yeah, I just love getting down there. It was awesome hanging out with you guys have a few drinks at the tailgate and, uh, thank God we got a win because that made it much more enjoyable.
3: Hey, Hey Matt, Bubba always talks about,
0: man, I've got
3: three hours and I got to go back. And then all of a sudden, then there's a guy like Matt Simenza who has to take a plane to get here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, exactly. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but, um, we uh, definitely are excited to have you and, uh, your dad. It was so great to see your dad, meet your daughter. Um, it was great to. uh to, Your dad is so awesome, and tell him I said hello. um But he's a really cool dude, and I tell you what, your daughter's going, going. Your daughter's going to be at ECU. Just go ahead and tell her she's a legacy recruit. She's going to be here. I, I have a feeling, <laughs> I'm going to do anything I can because all I know is you, you love your daughter as much as I love my daughter, and I, I I'm going to tell you, Matt Semenza will be in Greenville, North Carolina, if she chooses to go to Greenville because I have a feeling you're going to be like yeah, I'm going to rent a house here. I'm going to keep a close eye on my girl.
0: Oh, there's no question about it. And that's the only reason why I pushed the Yukon agenda with her, is so I can have a little more control over what she's doing. But make no mistake, if she did choose to go there, I'd be really happy about it. Um, but yeah, I would have to rent somewhere so I could you know, have my spies all over town checking her, making sure everything's all right. We got a um, <laughs>
3: and I, our friend's, uh, I don't know if you know the ponds, but uh, Brett and Diane, we're going to have to talk to them and say, hey, are there any houses right near you guys there on Berkshire that are right across from the baseball stadium? Not too far away from the practice fields, Matt, that um, that we could have so Matt Semenza can rent it. And then we have we, then we get to hang out with Matt, like on a regular basis, like a weekly basis, a monthly basis. Uh, a lot of times in uh, the football season and maybe baseball season, too. But I think we actually made you a huge baseball fan, didn't we?
0: Oh, no question about it. I really have grown to love uh, college baseball, in particular ECU. And um, I was never really into college baseball, but I, I definitely got hooked on it in the last few years. So credit credit to you guys on that one.
3: Well, the reason why, the only reason why I love college football and I love college baseball is going to East Carolina University. I mean, the first, well, the Pirate football, I went to a game in 1986, but I'm a huge fan of uh, the recently retired, I hate to even say that, Dr. Gary Overton, a uh, huge fan of Cocho. And they were just always winning. You know, they had that great team in 90, and right before I went to ECU, and John Gass, and all those guys were right before me, before I got there. And so, like, and then going to Harrington Field was rowdy. It was, didn't have the look, obviously, uh, that we have now at Clark LeClaire, but man, oh man, what a great atmosphere that is. Can't wait um for uh, baseball season that's gonna be great around the corner But of course basketball hopefully that's great uh before we even get to that I, I I tell you what I maybe maybe um I'm way too optimistic but I really believe the crowd you know it's funny by the way Matt um not to mention we don't hardly ever talk about Nick Saban but Nick Saban said something, which I understand what he meant, but he was talking about how the player, you know, the fans don't play the game and all that kind of stuff. And I agree with him. But I will tell you something: you cannot deny a place like Doughty Ficklin. If that place is rocking, it is really hard. Like on Saturday night, it was hard for me to hear uh, in the Boneyard section where I am, or I'm not in the Boneyard, but I'm right in section two, close by. And that at the fourth overtime, it was very difficult, and we didn't have the fans there uh, by that point that I wish we had, it was still loud there.
0: Yeah. I made a comment earlier tonight that the crowd was a little bit sparse on Saturday against Memphis, but the people who were there were loud and into the game, I thought. Um, so they still managed to create a pretty good environment. Um, I really hope though, Dave, that, you know, this, this is a huge game against UCF, a huge game. Yeah, you're talking about a, an opportunity to get right back into the thick of things in the conference race. You're coming off a big win. Um, this is a team we have a lot of history with over the years. Um, why wouldn't you go to the game if if you're a student or a fan of East Carolina? Why wouldn't you go? So I'm hoping this is a game where we can put more than 40,000 in the seats. And listen, I, uh, numbers get inflated all the time. We talk about tickets sold that's great for East Carolina, obviously the more tickets we sell, but I am really interested in seeing in terms of environment, butts in the seats, like actual fans in the seats and make it a great atmosphere and make things really tough on UCF because it definitely has an impact. Uh, You know, when a quarterback's trying to check or audible and when the crowd is really loud, it can, it can have an impact on the game. And um, so, so I just really hope that we get a good turnout and, um, you know, create a difficult atmosphere for UCF. No question. And uh, for me personally, I'm so
3: excited about this game. The only thing that's going to suck is I really thought, you know, the first time in the history of our show, we had all four guys together. What a great moment. If you haven't had a chance, uh, uh, I put that picture up on my Facebook page so you can see all four of us together. And um, Matt, you know, thank you again. I told you privately, but publicly Matt threw the uh, football to my son, Alexander, who has one more game. He had practice tonight, but he's fallen in love with football. And that meant the world to have a former pirate player like Matt, um, who plays the position he's playing. He plays linebacker Uh, to throw the football with him was a with you was a big deal. So thank you for that. And that the whole tailgate pregame thing and um, everybody left. I thought I know you guys had to get on the road, (laughs) but I was like, you Know after we won that game, I wanted to tailgate. I know it was late, that's probably why, but I wanted to when we win a game like that, I want to stay there uh forever. But I, I know that the um, I need to, the, it's time to go home, but I like this John Mellencamp song, I ain't even done with the
0: night. Yeah, no, that was one of those games I was kind of amped up. I, I could have stayed for a long time too, yeah, with me, but uh, I think the family had. You know, had their fill for the night. But, uh, yeah, it was awesome getting to meet your son, Dave, Alex. a great kid. Uh, He's got really good hands, too, by the way. Really good hands. So that was fun.
3: Yeah, hopefully we can uh, keep coaching him up. And uh, I tell you what, he's going to be dangerous at basketball. Maybe he can um, bring the pirate program up to where we can win (laughs) a championship. But, anyway, uh, I digress. What's your – I want to get your take on it because, uh, for me – what here's my thing you and I both are defensive guys what I'm scared about and I'll I'll just be straight up because that's what we do here what I'm scared of is that it seems to me that we've gone backwards and giving up the big plays this year maybe I'm wrong on that but maybe I'm over dramatic but the over the top all of a sudden these big bombs and we were doing really well against and maybe it's because we're blitzing so much I don't know um, but what are your thoughts on that? I'm really worried about uh, the big plays on Saturday night.
0: I am too. And we've definitely given up our fair share. And, you know, I, I think there's just little things that need to be corrected that continue to keep being corrected. You know, last year we had some very experienced safeties. And, you right. know, this year we have really talented guys but maybe they don't have quite the same level of experience. So, and that's not a knock on those guys. That's just right. that's just the way it is. Um, so, you know, you play a team like Memphis. I mean, I was saying earlier tonight, Dave. They Memphis is very complex offensively. They really do a nice job spreading you out, <clears throat> using all their weapons. Hennigan is very good, Great. and uh, I'll tell you, I thought they were really creative. Like I had a chance to go back and watch that game the way they would run some of their plays with a uh, delayed drag to the tight end gave us huge problems. And um, so they did a really nice job. Um, I actually think, Dave, we match up better defensively against UCF than wow. we do. Um, and I'll tell you why. This, you know, the strength of our defense is in the front seven. Um, we're, we're very solid against the run. And not quite as good against the pass. So you know Memphis very diverse in the passing game. Well, I think, I think we actually match up well. Uh, and and last last year against UCF, we played really well defensively. We
3: we we uh, we blew that game man, in the fourth quarter. We blew that game down in the bounce house. We should have had that one and uh, that one in the Houston game come to mind that we blew. Um, and man, we should have had those. But certainly a great. Um, a great time and uh what are your thoughts too on you know uh, i think sometimes people are still too hard on holt nailers but i tell you what i'm looking for maybe a, maybe it's just me but after that memphis game i'm looking for a really big game from holt nailers
0: me too dave and one thing that became very apparent to me last week is um just how bad his right shoulder is in terms of the injury. Yep. Uh, He's hurting a lot of folks. He, yeah, he's hurting. I mean, you could really see it. Like I said, I went back and watched it on TV and anytime he gets hit on that shoulder, he's, he's feeling it. Um, you got to give him credit. I mean, he's, he's a gamer. He's fighting through injury. You always respect guys that, that fight through injuries. Um, and, and this time of year, everybody, I'm sure all of our offensive oh, line, yeah. everybody, but I always just respect guys who fight through injuries, you know, um, and, and he's doing that right now. And, you know, he played a very efficient game last week. No turnovers. Um, his completion percentage was high. You know, I thought he distributed the ball well. Um, so, you know, I, I got to give him credit. Like he's had some outstanding games this year, uh, outside of just a few critical mistakes that we don't we won't rehash. Um, he's had a really solid year. I, I think that's what people sometimes miss is they think about one one pick here one interception there that were really costly but if you look outside of those things he's had a very good year so hopefully he can keep building on it and uh and stay healthy i think that's a big thing hopefully we can keep him healthy
3: no question about it and uh justin makes a great point he put um the next four games are against future big 12 thank you bubba opponents let's show them where belong and that's a great great uh, point i hadn't thought about that but you have Uh, With BYU going, I forgot about that. I was thinking about three, but it is four. And and Matt, I was making the point before you joined the program uh, with Trace that East Carolina and Memphis are two teams that should be in the Big 12. And you look at us, um, that would help us out with West Virginia being in, uh, will help West Virginia uh, travel cost-wise. You look UCF is another one Um, travel cost-wise for East Carolina. So it just seems like it would make more sense to have Seems like a Memphis and East Carolina in there that where we are geographically um, and you look at the level of football that we have. And there's a thing now, Matt, that, if, as you know, building the brands and your brand, you love the Big Ten. Well, the Big Ten actually is uh, here, here's an interesting thing I heard, guys, um, not to get off too much of a topic. I know we're over an hour right now, but this is an interesting concept that I hadn't thought about with the commissioner that they are doing the Big Ten. Um, It looks like that they're doing the media, national media is talking about, or at least they were a couple weeks ago. It looks like that if you look at every time slot starting at noon for the Big Ten, that they're going to try to get that West Coast, steal more teams to the Pac-12. So basically you have from the start of the day to the end of the day, it's a Big Ten game on. What do you guys think about that?
0: Yeah, I mean the Big Ten has been very aggressive, very aggressive in recent years in terms of branding, and they, you know they're they're making a big, big push. So I think it's great. I mean, I think it makes it makes perfect sense, you know, when you're trying to market your your league and and grow your brand, and you know you see what they've done in recent years. They, you know, they went out and got Rutgers, which made no sense to me. But I, you know, what the Big Ten will tell you is that they were. Ap- able to capture some of that New York market, which I question that personally. But, yeah. you know, that's what they say. And then now all of a sudden, hey, look, they're going out to the Pac-12 and they're, you know, trying to raid some teams from out there and they're trying to expand from coast to coast and have a bigger presence. So I give them credit. I mean, I think they're um, they're being aggressive. You know, that's one thing we we talk about as East Carolina fans. When, when we had to be aggressive as a program many times over the years, we weren't. And we didn't put our best foot forward. And, you know, so you got to give them credit for doing that.
3: Matt, I'm hearing they're coming after Eastern North Carolina. So maybe they'll pick East Carolina. I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> you could only hope, but <laughs> we could yeah. only hope, right?
3: A <laughs> hundred. Can you imagine that? A hundred million dollars of school.
0: <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh my
3: gosh. Um, Unbelievable. I'm joking for everybody. gonna think that I'm like this nuts. I'm not delusional. That was a joke, Matt. you don't understand. I, I don't even know. Um, I don't know know if I could ever talk to Matt again because he would be beside himself if we were in the Big Ten. So, um, would you like that to have East Carolina in the Big Ten?
1: No, he would, hate, he would hate that uh, kind of a payday.
3: No, no, <laughs> no, I'm not not the payday. I'm talking about the fact that um, that's that's some some <laughs> the word that comes to mind for Matt is brutal opponents, man, brutal opponents. And same way with the SEC when you have the, that that we would be in the I would assume the Eastern division. And man, that's, uh, with Penn state, Michigan, Ohio. Don't state.
1: worry. It's not happening. Oh, I'm, don't <laughs> it's worry. Awesome. I'm not, oh, I know you don't think that, but I'm just,
3: yeah, I don't have great. to, I'm not going to lose any sleep over because it it's not going to happen, but, uh, just that, that would be, that will be, uh, that would be great for Matt Semenza for sure. Uh, <clears throat> as far something, as, go something ahead.
1: I did want to bring up though. Well, you know, something that transpired last week in the Memphis game that uh, could be very key on this Saturday night against UCF. I was looking over it today and just thinking about, and we've been pretty good offensively on third down, converting 51% of our third downs and going against a, a team like UCF that's so explosive offensively and also is very good defensively. You know, if we can convert anywhere close to that and take care of the ball the way we've taken care of the ball this year, for the most part, you know, outside of a couple of exceptions that Matt already referenced, um, just we've in seven games, we've had seven turnovers. So if we can play clean football and we can, you know, do those couple things well and uh, continue to play pretty good red zone defense, then then. uh you never know. Uh, we, we can definitely make it happen on, on Saturday night. But it is it is a tall task. But like somebody was saying earlier, I think it was Craig chiming in in the comments that said um, there at the beginning of the conversation, it seemed like we were preparing to play Alabama. And, no, UCF's an excellent opponent. But at the same time, uh, yes, they played Louisville at home. And that was, I think, what, week two. But um, I think we're probably there, especially with it being on the road, but I think even if it was in Orlando, um, that uh, we're as good or or probably better than Louisville. Louisville's just yeah. so dang inconsistent. And uh, so I, I think not only are they probably our toughest test to date, and they're the, probably the most well-rounded team we've played as far as having a good uh, defense, maybe not quite as good as MC State, but having a better offense probably than the Wolfpack. And, yeah, and then you – Without and, then, and then, uh so I think I think this has the makings of a of a tremendous college football game if we uphold
3: Iron. And guys, as, as you have it up on the screen for those who are listening, it's going to be on ESPNU again at seven thirty. I mean, uh for those people that were talking about linear uh Matt, they're like, we want the the games on. We want the games on. Well, you get the game again on the linear channels, and you get it on ESPNU at seven thirty. And don't forget about our great friends on the Pirate Sports Radio Network with Jeff Charles and Kevin Monroe and Marty Fuhrer and also David Horn. I mean, Marty Fuhrer, man, is fantastic when it comes to the rules and um, when it comes to everything there on the what's going on in the field. It just uh, I don't know about you guys, but I listen to the radio and watch television and <laughs> I do them both because uh, to me, I don't I don't know how I could how it'd be without listening to Jeff Charles. I have to listen to him every single game, if possible, for sure.
0: Yeah, th- those guys do an awesome job, Jeff. I mean, Jeff was in East Carolina, you know, as long as I can possibly remember being a
3: part 1988, of 1988, my friend,
0: 1988. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's just done a great job. Kevin Monroe. Uh, Marty, you know, those guys are, are awesome, and
1: um, uh,
0: any, any notion based that this is a game that we can't win, uh, you know, I, it's completely false. I mean, we, we are in a situation now where every game, if we play well, we can win, if we don't play well, we can lose. It's just that simple. We have talent, and Las Vegas thinks we have a chance because the line opened at three. Um, so I expect a very close game and, you know, if we go out and make plays, um, if we don't turn the ball over, sounds cliche. is we have to do when it comes to extra points and field goals, we have to convert. We have to convert. We cannot miss extra points. We can't have our holder drop the ball. This is major division one college football. You will get beat in a heartbeat, especially against a team like UCF. So, if we play well, we can win. There's no doubt about it.
3: Especially when uh, I, I and so it hurts not to have Raji Harris, but we have so many weapons. And I will challenge the coaching staff, and I will challenge the players. Um, like a Ryan Jones, Ryan Jones is one of the best athletes, if not the best athlete on the team. Get open, uh, be ready. Uh, I imagine the middle of that field is going to be wide open, and I hope to God Ehlers and him uh, not to say that. Man, CJ Johnson, there's so many, I don't know, there's somebody asking earlier, I don't know if it was Robert, uh, have you guys heard anything? Will Jalen Johnson be back?
0: He's listed as an or on the depth chart. Um, Hatfield or Jalen Johnson is what I saw. Bubba probably has a better recall than I do.
1: Yeah, that's really all I had as well, Matt, just that, um, you know, Coach Houston said multiple times that it's kind of a day-to-day thing uh, and just the, believe some lower back lower back pain and tightness. So, fingers crossed that Jalen Johnson will be able to play. But, um, you know, looking back to last weekend, that was something that you saw uh, Josiah Hatfield play 55 to 60 snaps and then Kerry King play a little over 20 snaps. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see what role those guys have and uh, hopefully we'll be able to get the ball to uh, to Ryan Jones and also Shane Calhoun. Uh, well, you know, whether it's in you know, short yardage situations or uh, down around the goal line or, you know, obviously um, you know we, we get the ball in their hands in a, in a variety of situations, but, you know, specifically, um, You know, we were talking with Trace as far as the UCF defense kind of at times perhaps being the bend, but don't break variety. So when the Pirates are in the in in the red zone, excuse me, we need to find a way to put it in the end zone like we were unable to do last year down in Orlando. That really cost us in that 20
3: to 16 loss. No doubt about it. And by the way, guys, uh, one thing that I know drives uh, some of our fans crazy. I want to get your opinions on this. I know Bubba's opinion. I'm not sure about Matt. I think I know. Um, so you win the toss. Do you defer to the second half, or you're going to take the ball this Saturday night?
0: You know, it's funny. Uh, I, I can kind of go back and forth on this one. Uh, yeah. I, I would say in this game, I would prefer to defer. Yeah. Uh, I agree. You know, I, I would prefer like like against Navy. I wanted the ball. I wanted the ball okay. first. I agree. I would defer. And I, what I want to do is, you know, have a loud crowd early in the game and try to get a stop and flip the right. field. You know, uh, th- that's what I would prefer. And then, you know, I love coming out of, the ball, out of the ball. I love coming out of the half going up tempo. In defense, a totally different look coming out of halftime because you can really catch a defense off guard. So that's a long-winded answer, but that's, that's kind of what I would think about. What about you, Bubba? I agree with Matt there. I
1: mean, so along those lines, Matt was talking about the crowd and getting into things early and, you know, um, maybe creating a false start or two. Uh, you know, kind of a funny note here, uh, when the Pirates did not have a crowd a couple years ago in uh, 2020 when we opened the season with UCF in late September, The night, Uh, remember how ridiculous that was? What was it? They had like five, five or six false starts (laughs) on
3: on, on one possession. It it was it's like something out of a movie. I was watching that, uh, you know, back then uh, we couldn't get to the, we didn't have fans, so they let the media. I was fortunate enough to be in Town Bank Tower as Matt's going to sleep now. I mean, I'm sorry to bore you, Matt. Uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know who that is? Hey, shut up, dog. Carmelo, he
3: <laughs> the dog. dog. He is a great dog. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was – I forgot about that, Bob. I'm glad you brought that up. That was the most – as a Pirate fan, you love it. But at the same time, as someone who loves college football, that was so irritating to have that many false starts back to back to back to back to back. It was like, come on, let me do my math. Come on already. Play the football game. Stop calling the, it the flag. wasn't
1: game. irritating to me. i it, it was hilarious. If the Pirates would have done it, it'd have been irritating. It'd have been uh, you'd been ready so to hilarious. jump off the Green Street Bridge. But with UCF doing it, uh, <laughs> shoot, uh, believe me, if uh, if they were going to be uh, more false starts and getting assessed uh, a two-yard penalty because they are so close to the goal line, that was fine to me.
0: But uh, what exactly is the Green Street Bridge? Isn't the, is the Green Street Bridge like fifteen feet off the ground? Like what? what is the green street bridge i hear this all the time so it's uh past so you go past
3: first street and uh you keep driving and you go over the green street bridge into the that's over the tar river and you're going north the northern part of greenville and so that's why people say the green street bridge is not that far from campus Um, i would say that bubba that's got to be the closest bridge um <laughs> to ECU. Not that I'm recommending any, anybody or anything. So uh let me be careful now because our man should I
1: you. just jump off a dorm instead.
3: <laughs> well that uh no. Bubba's lazy, he's just gonna jump off the uh off uh the dorm the top but of
1: um yeah guys uh, going back to the, my point about third down and how the pirates are convi- converting it over a fifty percent clip. Um You think about Saturday night, I think we were 10 out of 15, which is just tremendous. And then one of the biggest, perhaps the biggest of those, was there in the the second overtime, we got sacked. And, you know, we were really in a tough spot facing third and 15. You're like, oh, crap, you know, if we don't gain a yard, we're looking at a 47-yard field goal. So uh, then we – then Holton found – Zay Winstead on a crossing route, a little drag route, and you know he made a nice, nice catch and run, he picked up the first down, and then that was when we failed to get the two point conversion, so we were up six, going into uh, Memphis' possession. Then they score, and then when they had to go for two, Chad Stevens he made a tremendous play. I went back and watched that on Sunday morning, and. Chad Stevens was lined up. I want to say he was in a five technique, which is you know on the outside shoulder of the the right tackle, and he crossed the tackle's face. And uh, Mike Houston referenced this play today in his weekly press conference, just saying what a tremendous effort by Stevens. Because you know if if he doesn't make that play, then the it may be ball it may be ball game because the Memphis guy may score. No
0: question yes. about it. Stevens, I'll tell you, I like what he brings to the table. I think he plays hard. I think he brings good athleticism. And uh, I think that's a really, he did make an outstanding play, Bubba. And I'll tell you another guy, you know, that I liked what I saw from, and it's a guy that who's been non existent this year it was Rick DeBru. Um, you know, I saw him cave the pocket in at least three times, and I think he only was in on 11 plays. So, um, you know, he's, he should be fresh. I mean, hey, he he really hasn't played this year, so he should be fresh. He should be healthy. You know, I think, I think you know, he needs to get some more snaps. I, I don't know what the situation is there, if it's, this is a disciplinary thing or what, but I'd like to see him get more snaps.
3: I'll tell you a kid that I really like a lot, and I think he has a huge future true freshman from Richmond County. I love J.D. Lampley on that line, Matt. My goodness, uh, that guy is a hoss. And um, I'm a huge fan of his. And if that kid stays healthy, uh, he has a chance to be very, very special. That's just, my, that's just my opinion. But, I mean, to be a true freshman, to even play, and the fact that he's uh, got a lot of playing time uh, says a lot. And if you know anything about high school football, as Bubba does, and you probably do, Matt, in North Carolina, Richmond County is huge uh, just about
0: every year. Yeah, I I really, really liked his film coming out of high school. And he is not disappointed. And he has a chance to really be a great player. Um, Give him an an off-season conditioning program to really get strong and and continue to learn the system. He's going to be a beast.
3: That's what's so scary, Bubba and Matt, is the fact – I'm glad you said that because I was thinking the same thing. This is a kid, a true freshman right out of high school – you're playing in a big level, big boy football, and you're playing in a high level. I mean, to be a freshman and you're going, he hasn't had the, the likes of Big John in that weight room as much as we would like to him, you know, because he's, I mean, new to the, the program. Can you imagine what that kid's going to be like by the time he hits a senior? Oh, my goodness. I just, uh, man, I'm so excited. That's what's exciting. And I want to tell this to the fan base. Show up on Saturday night. I'm going to do a Bubba right now. Go ahead and get tickets. I have people right now. I'm asking, you come into the game. Are you coming to the game? I've got, I'm inviting friends. Uh, sometimes they come to the game. Sometimes they don't. We need the people that are casual fans. We don't need all, always just the Cimenzas and the Rosenbaums and the Richmonds and uh, the barbers of the world, the people that are on the show. We need people um, that, we, that got mad after Ruffin McNeil got fired and have it come back. We need you back. That's who we need. We need those people back. Come on. And um, what do you have? Uh, I always say this, Matt. What do you have uh, better do on a Friday night or, excuse me, Saturday night in Greenville than go to a Pirate game? That was so exciting. My kids, eight and nine years old, were so excited. My girl was playing the Switch, right? She's playing a Switch. She hands it back, and I looked at her and said, why did you hand it back to me, baby? She said, Dad, I want to watch the game, and I was like so excited because that's my baby girl, and you know how video games are, Matt, and technology. But that's the kind of atmosphere you have is when you have a little eight year old girl who would rather watch the game to play a Nintendo Switch. That's a huge compliment,
0: it definitely is, no question about that. So, uh, guys,
3: uh, before we get out of here, I know we have uh the line has the line going up as my understanding to like four and a half or five, or is it, uh, I heard it's gone up as far as in favor of UCF. Can somebody help me out on that? I don't know. That's what I'd heard. Yeah,
0: Yeah, uh, it did. It went up, David opened at three and I saw earlier today, uh, it was about four and a half. So it's gone up a little bit. Um, I think to be expected, but, uh, Hey, um, we're still right there.
3: No doubt. And Bubba, you you know this. Uh, just because it's a four-and-a-half-point favorite doesn't mean we can't win. And then this uh, this team needs the support of Pirate Nation, and hopefully they'll come out and, and watch the game.
1: Yeah, and that's something I was going to bring up in a minute as far as the crowd. But you know, going back to the defense, and this is just kind of a eye-opening and a bit of a mind-boggling statistic to a degree. And that is, you know, our leading tackler, Gerard Stringer has 39 yeah. tackles. You know, we've played seven football games. So I think that's, you know, it's a sign of the way college football's played now compared to what it was in, in you know, several years ago, you know, when you would see guys over the course of a season have 150, 160 tackles uh, for, for instance, you know, um, I met, um, excuse me, uh, Mark Libiano, um, Robert Jones, uh, Jeff Carr. You know those guys that had well over a hundred tackles. And so not only is it the way football's being played, but then also just it also is a sign of our depth, um, because you you look at it, uh, we probably have. I don't know, 12 to 15 guys with at least 20 plus tackles. It's just, it's just odd to see that few of tackles as your leading tackler. But uh, you think about how many guys we play on that side of the ball. So that's what it's a reflection of, as well as just the nature of the game and not nearly as much running as there once was like when Robert Jones or others were piling up all those tackles. But yeah, Dave, going back to the crowd and you know, show up pirate nation. I mean, this, this is an opportunity. Um, I mean, the biggest thing, you know, hey, the Pirates are playing. It's the next to last home game, so so get out there, take pride in the fact that you're going to have the opportunity to help make a difference and you know create a, a rowdy atmosphere at Dowdy-Ficklin. And you know, you you look at this. Um, that was a great point earlier by Justin Butts, as far as the first game of four straight against future big 12 opponents so what better way for east carolina to show that that's where it should be than to than to show up to the game and to show the nation uh, at 7 30 on espnu you know create a rowdy atmosphere for three three and a half hours however long it takes and you know get this um this stretch of games off to a great start and really turn some heads around the nation and then go out to Provo next week and do the same thing. So, um, you know, Pirate Nation, you know, a lot of times, you know, we like to, to beat our chest and talk about how great Pirate Nation is. And, and we do have great fans,
3: but let's show up and prove it on Saturday night. Exactly. Exactly. Show up, be extra loud and stay for the whole game. Where are you going? There's no traffic jam. Stay for the whole game. It's exciting. It's fun. That game on Saturday night, oh, my goodness, with those plays, I was on the edge of my seat, Um, you know, before a few years back, Montgomery. I'm just rolling my eyes like, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness, this is the longest game ever. Oh, my goodness, we're getting killed. And now we're in every single game. Uh, You don't know who's going to win. You don't know who's going to lose. That's what college football is all about, Bubba so excited about it and uh, by the way we have great programming i want to remind everybody that i'm really proud of our nightly programming we have our daily program if you will Uh, make sure you check that out because we've had tons and tons of great compliments thank you so much uh, for people that are right here to let us know and then people in the street and different folks letting us know about that Uh, monday nights we have absolute empowerment that's with a former strength and conditioning coach from east carolina Jeff Connors, we, we love coach and he said, yes, and he's doing great with a number of amazing guests he's getting on. Uh, even if you love uh, pirate football uh, back on the second episode where well, you can go back in our archives and it was coach Steve Logan. I've already listened to the interview like three times. I love Logan. In fact, Matt's coach, uh, Tuesday nights, uh, right here, pirate preview. We have that every uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, sunny and Semenza. We also have, um, Pirate Breakdown with Sutton Young. Um, Thursdays, we have the Inside Slants, a weekly look at college football. Uh, We have on Friday, A Pirate's Life with Me. And uh, on Sunday, the Pirate Playback brought to you by LNK Custom Homes. So appreciate uh, all of you guys listening and watching uh, very much on a regular basis. And some of you watch every single show, which uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, We will never turn you down uh, for coming in. And take a look, don't forget to like our Facebook page and you can obviously subscribe on our YouTube channel. And that way you can find out whenever these shows are on, it'll pop up and uh, do that. You guys, uh, uh, we obviously want to thank our great sponsors uh, for sure. And uh, anyway, let's uh, I want to thank lK Custom Homes. Um, appreciate Kevin Walker supported the program and uh, we're going to do that. And uh want to thank him so much. 336-688-8461. Thank you, Kev. Appreciate you, KK Walker, uh, very, very much for his support. In fact, he's a title sponsor. Uh, they are for the Pirate Playback on Sunday nights. How about our good friends uh, at Porky's Backyard Barbecue? Call Mark and Terry Holiday. The Holiday Brothers. Book your next holiday event. Call them. They cater. They do a great job. 252 661 0337. And last but certainly not least, how about our friends at pgxgloves.com. Uh man, they have got everything, they've got so many great gloves for you. Uh, for you, let's see, they have custom uh batting gloves, they have football gloves, uh golf gloves, they have lots of great swag t-shirts, so much fun. And uh make sure that you go to pgxgloves.com and get this. You go once you before you get checkout, don't forget in the promo code put in their ECU and get 25% off your order. That's ongoing. That's how much cause loves East Carolina and loves our show. Go to pgxgloves.com Had a great time tonight. Thanks to trace our great guest. Appreciate him. Uh, we'll see how the pirates do on Saturday nights on ESPN you seven 30 um, on television or a radio. You can simply go to uh, you can listen on the tune in radio app and you can do that or sort of listen locally. Oh 943 of the game or 107.9 in the Greenville area. Um, but the Pirate Sports Radio Network cannot wait. All right, thanks to Bubba. Matt again, thanks once again to Trace, our great guests, East Carolina UCF. This has been the Pirate Preview here on the Sports Objective. Good night, everybody, and always go pirates. we got they back. This is our house, this is our town, our top. Everyone, not copy that. Everybody in the stands go, bananas, live, but animals be loud, but they don't hold back. Every front, every
2: yard, every first down, every touchdown with the cannons, blast. Get it on, get it all, get the red going let like the hurricane.